In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I am very happy to be with this wonderful group from uh, different continents, from different schools, uh, from different uh, Oriental Orthodox churches, uh, with the Blessed Fathers who are with, with us here. And actually, uh, the idea of having webinar for OCCM is a great idea in order to discuss the contemporary uh, challenges to orthodoxy and together because you are the future of the church. So to have a good vision about the church and the future and how all of us, we help together in uh, preserving and defending the faith that was handed to us through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the apostles. Uh, I was asked today to speak about the future of orthodoxy in America. Of course, this is a very, very broad subject, but I, I, I chose to focus on one point only uh, regarding the future of orthodoxy in America. This point is the challenges that facing the orthodoxy faith in America. What are the challenges that facing our orthodox faith here in America? And in reality, it's not only in America, but in the whole world because of the globalization. So let me start by introducing faith. The Orthodox faith is the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints, delivered by Jesus Christ, our Lord, to the apostles, and also to our uh, forefathers. And our faith is formed through the scripture, through the holy council, like ecumenical councils, through sacred tradition and the writing of the early church fathers. Faith, as St. Jude described it in his letter, he said, faith, our faith is a precious, precious, most holy faith. Why faith is precious? Because if our faith is correct, upright, sound, then our spiritual struggle and the spiritual fight will be also uh, upright, will be sound, will be correct. And in turn, the salvation will be guaranteed. I remember one time they asked His Holiness Pope Shenouda, uh, what are the requirements for a person to go to heaven? So he said, to have sound faith and to have good works. So if we have the sound faith, our spiritual struggle, which is the good works, will be also correct, and then our salvation will be guaranteed. 
But if, if, if the faith is corrupted, then the path of salvation will be completely distorted. Recognizing the centrality of the upright faith and its close relationship to man's salvation, the devil sets the integrity of faith as a constant target throughout the ages. The devil try to distort the faith because the faith is central to our salvation. So, Satan attack faith through arrows of doubt, deception, falsification, distortion, many, many arrows in order actually to destroy and to distort the orthodox faith, the correct faith, the, th- the sound doctrine. Therefore, the wars and challenges of the true orthodox faith varied from time to time and from place to place. There are a lot of challenges extending to all areas and all ages, time and place. Uh, And nowadays, it has become common that very strange and very deviant teaching have swept the classrooms everywhere, cultivating the tear of doubt. Do you remember when the Lord said that there will be tear planted next to the grain? So now actually, in, in many classrooms, many theological seminaries, besides the grain of the sound doctrine, there are tears of doubt, not only in the mind of the believers, but also in, in the non-believers. And St. Peter spoke about this in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, when he said, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Secretly. I want you to focus on this word. Without noticing, they will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Our generation right now became ill and sick with disease called indifference to the truth. Indifference to the truth. That's why they do not endure endure sound doctrine. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, St. Paul spoke about this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
Faith in the Bible can be understood in three different ways. Faith can be understood as our creed. When we say we believe in one God, God the Father, the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, of all things seen and unseen. So the word faith means your creed. What do you believe in? Your knowledge of God. Your knowledge of salvation. Second meaning, faith meaning trust. When I say I have confidence in God, I trust Him. I have faith in Him. He can do this to me. Third meaning, faith can be a gift of the Holy Spirit. You can read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as well as in Romans 12, verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. So faith comes in the scripture as creed, as knowledge, or as confidence, trust, or as gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the definition of faith in Hebrew chapter 11 verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Should we be become afraid of all these challenges? Actually, no. It is generally known that challenges can lead to breakdown and loss if they are misaddressed. But the challenges can lead to growth and stability if properly addressed because they will turn into strength, not weakness. You know, when they plant trees, they used to plant it to plant, plant them during the month of March because there is a strong wind. So when they plant a tree and there is a strong wind, so the tree will extend its roots deeper and deeper. And if the tree was able to withstand the wind of March, then it can withstand the wind of the whole year. In the same way, our faith, when it is challenged, if it is properly addressed, as if we are extending our roots deeper and deeper. So these challenges will not destroy or break down our faith. Rather, it will make, it, it make our faith stronger and stronger. So challenges actually contribute to strengthening our faith, not weakening it. Like winds that make the tree deepen its root. For example, heresies in the 4th and 5th century contributed to the establishment of faith, composing the greed, leading to deeper research, ecumenical councils, that showed us the depth and beauty of faith and established main rules of faith.
So this is an example how heresies, when they start to attack the faith, how this led actually to the composition of the creed and the ecumenical council that until now we rely on them in uh, understanding our faith. Now I will go to the second section of our lecture. I want to share with you the science of the problem through some statistics to be aware about the challenges that attacking our orthodox faith. Not to scare you, but to understand our responsibility as light to the world and salt to the earth and our responsibility to defend our faith and be strong in our faith. For example, atheism continues to increase in the United States of America. The prevalence of atheism among adolescents is twice the prevalence among the adult, 13% compared to 6%, which may, may actually make us, like in our churches, should pay more attention to the youth because they are more vulnerable to deny the existence of God than adults. More than a third of adolescents, 37%, believe it is not possible to be sure that God is a fact compared to 32 of the adults. More than half of the American people, 58% of adolescents, and 62% of adults agree many religions can lead to eternal life. No single religion is right. And as I told you, the indifference to the truth. Any faith, any religion, it is just different perception. Any religion can lead you to eternal life. About half of adolescents 46% say, I need concrete evidence to confirm my beliefs. This explains their dissatisfaction with the relationship between science and the scripture, the Bible. By the way, perfect science does not contradict with perfect understanding of the scripture. Let me repeat it again. Perfect science will not or cannot contradict, does not contradict with perfect interpretation of the scripture. So, if any contradiction we see it, either be, be, because the science is not perfect or we don't follow the a patristic interpretation of the scripture. One study showed that about 75%, 75%, that's a huge number, of young Christians deny faith and leave the church after high school. That's why campus ministry is very, very important. My, from my observation, the first year in college is very important 
many youth are lost in the first year of college. One of the main reasons for this is the rational doubt and the inability of Sunday school servant or church leaders or youth ministers to answer their question of faith in a rational and sound mind. That's why they start to deny their faith. Also statistics show that children spend an average 30 hours a week in school. 30 hours in school. Where they study ideas that are counter to the biblical realities. Such as theory of evolution. Acceptance of homosexuality. Changing sexual identity. Transgenderism. Most of these children are not ready to go to university where more than half of the university professors take a hostile stance against Christianity and take any chance to disperge them and their faith. So, if our children are not ready to go to university, then their faith will be shaken in the university. Another study states that most adolescents do not profess their faith, beliefs and religious practices and their place in their lives. Either they are ashamed or they are scared that others may make fun of them, so they just they don't profess their faith. Unfortunately, the dominant religion among young Americans today, we call it the moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. Which says that there is a God who created the universe, manages it, and watches human life on earth. God wants people to be righteous and to deal fairly with each other according to the teaching of the scripture and according to most of the world religion. See this according to the most of the world religion? So not only the Bible. The main goal of life is to get happiness and feel good. God only needs to interfere in one's life when man needs to solve a problem. Good people go to heaven when they die. So, this new religion try to unify all the religions in the world to end up with one religion for the whole world. One religion for the whole world. So, now we'll discuss some contemporary challenges to 
Orthodox faith. Actually, each challenge needs at least one lecture, but some of them needs more than, than one lecture. And I hope that in the future, in, in your uh, future seminars or webinars, you can discuss some of these challenges. I, I'm not going to address all of them, I'm just going to mention the names. First, personal challenges. What I mean personal challenges? When I myself go through difficult time, through tribulation, suffering, diseases, deformities, one of my very, very dear uh, children is born with birth defects. My brother, my cousin, my nephew, my niece. So, Satan can use all this opportunity to cast doubt on our faith. Another personal struggle when we feel that God is not responding to our prayer. I prayed and prayed and prayed, but no response. Especially if we believe that God should respond all the time by saying to us, yes. The correct theology, God can say yes, can say no, can say not now. Another personal struggle is repeated fall into the same sin over and over. And I feel hopeless, discouraged. I can't overcome this sin anymore. So this may cast doubt on faith. Second group of challenges, existential challenges. Many people have questions about suffering in general. Why there is pain? Why there is evil? Where is God? Why there is injustice in the world? Do we really have choices? Do we really have choices in the world or not? Why God is so patient with evil people? What is the meaning of my life? Why I'm here? So, all these challenges, we call it existential challenges. Another group of challenges, we call it doctrinal challenges, has to do with the doctrine. There are many religions around us. Which one is right? How to be sure that my religion is the right religion? Why not other religion is the right religion? Also, the multiplicity of sects and denomination, even within Christianity. There are many, many, many denominations. Why orthodoxy is the right denomination? Question about the existence of God. Question about the theology of incarnation and salvation. And the doctrinal challenges can go on and on and on. Number four, biblical challenges. Biblical illiteracy. 
Unfortunately, although the Bible is available now and the commentary and the interpretation of the Bible are available, you know, when I was in your age, back in the 60s and 70s, you know, we were struggling to find a commentary from early church father on the scripture. Now commentaries are available. And the Bible is available in many different languages, in many different translations. But unfortunately, in spite of this abundance of availability, there is biblical illiteracy. Another challenge that what appears to me contradiction in the Bible, although there is no contradiction in the Bible, the diversity of translations and diversity of interpretation also can, can cause a challenge to understand the Bible. Number five, practical challenges. When we feel to apply the commandment of God is difficult, to forgive, to turn the other cheek, many of us feel that these are difficult commandments to love our enemies. Also, we are tempted by the wide gate around us to walk in the broad way. Many of us refuse to enter through the narrow gate and walk in the difficult way as our Lord Jesus Christ told us. The frequent falls in sin and the temptation around us and the submission to the passions of the old man. So, in our practical life, these challenges can make me doubt my faith, the difficulty of repentance in other way. Another challenges, group of challenges, we call it eschatological challenges. Eschatology, eschatology means about after death, eternity, what will happen after death. So, question about the salvation of evil people. Or the salvation of righteous friends and loved ones from other religions and sects. I, I have a very good friend, but he is not Christian or he is not Orthodox. Is he going to be saved or not? How God actually will destroy the evil people in hell eternally? What about those who commit suicide and the salvation of those who commit suicide for one another reason or another? So, and so many questions about after death that can shake our faith. Also, another group of challenges, cultural challenges. You know, the cultural tradition and customs change every day. This maybe has to do with Middle East more the principle of what fatwa in Islam. But many of our literature, especially in history, there is mixing folklore with the story itself. And this actually can cause doubt in the heart of people. Before I move to the second point, I like to make a comment about the cultural challenges. 
I personally struggled with one of these challenges. You know, the Southern Diocese cover 11 states, so I travel a lot. I travel between 11 states. And recently when I was booking my ticket, I found under gender, there are four genders, male, female, unspecified, and undisclosed. And actually I struggled with this. Because if somebody choose to have a, a different gender, that's okay, I will respect this. But for the companies and the people who are leading us to impose this on me, this actually caused a big struggle for me. For 7,000 years, we know that genders are male and female. If you Google now, you will find more than 58 different genders. How this can be imposed on me? And then it spread to other airlines and, and so on. I feel that my intellect and my mentality is not respected. And this is going to affect our children who are growing here. What does it mean that the person next sitting next to me in the plane unspecified? What does, what does this mean for me? What does this mean that the person next sitting next to me in the plane undisclosed? How can I deal with this person? What does this mean for me? But this is a culture that unfortunately we are living in it. And we should have a voice as Christian, as Orthodox Christian. I'm very surprised that no one spoke against this. If anybody believes that this is his gender, good for him. But for this to be imposed on me, I cannot accept this. And we as Orthodox uh, Christian, we need to speak up. Scientifically, and if people go to science, scientifically, there is only two genders. Anatomy, physiology, two genders. How they came up with more than two genders. But now, unfortunately, that's how our culture is. Number eight, social challenges. Like people start to question their faith because of poverty, unemployment, illiteracy, domestic violence. And now actually, unfortunately, there is resort to magic and sorcery. When actually they bring people to say prophecy about the future of America or the world, uh, based on sorcery and magic, this can actually make people start to doubt their faith and rely on these things.
Also, there is scientific challenges to our faith, like the theory of evolution, like claiming that homosexuality is a normal variation, like claiming that marijuana and some addictions are beneficial to the people. So all these things are challenges to our faith. Also, there is political challenges like legalization of gay marriage, legalization of drugs, marriage and civil divorce, and the divorce, the issue of divorce and the teaching of the scripture. All these are challenges facing us. Another group of challenges, globalization. The full openness to all culture, philosophy, religion, doctrines. And with it, there is poor critical thinking and the ability to filter and to choose between what's right and wrong. The last group of challenges, not the last, the secularization challenges which actually secularization means the transformation of a society that has an identity that's closely related to religion and to religious values and institutions. Now they transform this society into non-religious value and secular institution. And this is what's happening in America. America was founded on Christian principles. But now they are removing the Christian principle and they are secularizing America. The thesis of secularization suggests the belief that uh, as societies progress, particularly through modernization and rationalization, religion loses its power in all aspects of social life and even in good governance. That is the, their philosophy. That's why now, actually, the, the culture in America became anti-Christian. Another challenge, we call it hyper-intellectualization. Hyper-intellectualization. Now rationality or mentality is attributed to any thought that invokes conclusion. And this will be the source of our knowledge and interpretation. So the final authority is my intellect, my mind. Faith, which actually higher and above and beyond my comprehension, is neglected. We describe God as incomprehensible, incomprehensible. But now becomes the highest authority is our intellect. So hyper-intellectualization means that the assumption and the inference are the measure of truth rather than concrete measures. So if through my intellect I made assumption and this makes sense, then it will be the truth. As I was speaking about gender, some people make a philosophy 
to convince others that there are more than two genders. And people accepted this philosophy, this assumption, this inference. So now it became truth. Even if there is no concrete measure to prove that there are more than two genders. That's exactly what hyper-intellectualization means. Number 14, materialism. Materialism actually states that all materialism is above and beyond love of money. It's not only about the love of money. It states that all creatures are the product of material. All creatures are the product of material. And matter is the absolute truth, not God. The matter is the absolute truth. And consciousness is explained even by physical chemical, physiochemical changes in the nervous system. Non-religious materialism is interpreted as philosophy opposed to the theological dogma of organized religion. Non-religion materialism emerged strongly among philosophers in the 18th century. Now in modern philosophical times, philosophical materialism is spread greatly influenced by the expanded theory of evolution. Those who support the theory of evolution go beyond mere deity or physical atheism and aim to show how diversity and difference in composition is a natural result and it opposes supernatural process. So it is a natural result of the material. Material is the mother, is the essence behind all creatures. So all of us are the product of material. Number 15, which is the last challenge. The challenge of human deification, making human God. Deification means making a human to be God. Through humanitarianism and anthropocentrism. This movement considered the denial of God existent to be a necessary condition for affirming the gospel of humanity for human freedom. If God exists, then I'm not free. So we must deny God in order to affirm my existence. So I became my own God. This movement see religion as mere tool to oppress and dehumanize man. That's why they are against Christianity. As I told you, I can go over other many challenges, but I think the time is almost over. I will conclude by what is the church responsibility about this? as Christian, as Orthodox Christian. The responsibility of Orthodox Church toward the upright Orthodox faith is a heavy responsibility. That responsibility is not only to preserve the upright faith that was handed to us without distortion or falsification from the Lord Jesus Christ 
to the apostles until us. But our responsibility is to persevere and to be watchful to in, in order to face and respond to all the evolving challenges that face our faith. The Church, Orthodox Church, must achieve this with a sound spiritual, pastoral, educational methodology by employing scientific, technological, and informational advancement that characterizes our era. We need actually to study more in the field of apologetics to be able to defend our faith. If all generations throughout the ages are required to defend the Orthodox faith, our current generation is most required to assume this enormous responsibility. I will end here because, you know, our responsibility to protect and to defend our faith is a huge responsibility. In the presentation, and we can share it with you, there are some questions. Uh, this question just to ponder about, so we can send it to you in your meditation and reflection time. You can think about this question to help you to think about your responsibility to be light to the world and salt to the earth. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.